Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. We're talking about the message is simple. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. And I don't know why, but we always want to complicate that. I mean, as human beings, it has to be harder than that. There must be something else that we have to do. There must be something else that I have to do in myself to please God. It can't be as simple as love God, love people love God love people look at this scripture that Jesus says here and this is the religious people that are coming at Jesus he's walking the earth he's he's amazing he's doing amazing things and these religious people come up to Jesus and they say that, that it says this in Matthew 22:34 hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees were the one lot of religious people. And now he had silenced them. And then he says, the Pharisees got together. So it's another lot of religious people. Keep in mind that these are the people who crucified him. These are the very people who crucified Jesus, the religious people of that day. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? You can imagine a religious person standing there going, Teacher, tell us, which is the greatest commandment in the law? You know, you can just imagine staring down at Jesus, looking at Him like He's nothing and trying to trip Him up. And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. See, Jesus came. The Word of God says Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfil the law. And mankind had been trying so long for so many centuries to work its way to God, to be good enough for God, to try hard enough to please God. But they just didn't get who God was. See, to, to please someone, to love someone, you've got to know who they are. You gotta know them. You gotta know them inside out. When you fall in love with somebody, the first thing that you do is you start to work them out. I mean, when I first met Phil, I kind of thought he had really kind eyes. That was the first thing. In fact, my mum nudged me and went, Have you looked at his eyes? I went, Yeah, they're kind, good eyes. They're good eyes. But then I needed to get to know more about him and get to know who he was. 
Yet all these people were trying to work God out, but they didn't know Him. They didn't know who He was. And so God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so God says, look, they've just got no idea who I am. They've got no idea who I am. So I'm going to send you, my son, a representation of who I am to the earth. And I don't want you to go down there like a king. I don't want you to go down there in the grandeur that you're used to in heaven, in all your royalty, in all your power and your glory and your majesty. I don't want you to come in a great big cloud and with angels shouting and trumpets blasting and announce to the world, I am He. He said, I want you to come in humility. I want you to come into the womb of a woman. I want you to know what it feels like to be human. I want you to know what it feels like to be in a dark womb, kicking around as I reach in and I form you in your mother's womb. As I put every piece of you together intricately, like I have done with each one of my own children. I want you to feel what it feels like to be shaped and formed by someone who loves you. Jesus came as a little baby and God planted him by the power of the Holy Spirit into the womb of Mary. And Jesus was birthed like any other baby. He didn't just jump out of the womb. Da-da. Mary had to scream. Mary had to travail. Mary had to go through the normal pains of childbirth to bring Jesus into the world. Jesus knew what it was like to push through the birth canal and to push through. And He was born in a stable amongst smelly animals in a lowly place where no one knew who He was because He didn't want to shout it from the rooftops that the King had arrived. He wanted to get amongst the people and be one of them and one with them. Our Jesus grew up like a normal little boy, playing in the streets. There was nothing different about him that people would notice because God was keeping his precious treasure hidden until the day that he would unwrap this gift that he had given to the world. He was keeping it well wrapped. He had it in the wardrobe, so to speak, like I used to have with all my kids' Christmas presents. Jesse would tell you that I could never wait till Christmas. And I'd always give, oh, you can just have one, you know. Oh, okay, you could just have another one. And then I'd say to Phil, I've got to go buy more because I already gave him their presents. And, oh, but Jesus was wrapped up and kept hidden. This gift of love that God was to give to the world was hidden away. And he just grew up like any other young man. He was a carpenter. And he worked with tools and he was trained by his dad how to, how to build and carpentry. And he was known in his local neighbourhood. He was just like us. 
He knew what it felt like to be like us. He knew what it felt like to be bullied at school. Do you ever think about that, Doug? Do you think Jesus got bullied at school? Of course he did. We all do. He knew what it felt like to be human and normal. And then the day came. And he's a man. And he's at a wedding. And his mother knows. She knows that he's special. I mean, every mother knows that their child is special. I'm telling you, every mother prays and waits for their child to be unveiled to the world. But could you imagine the heart of Mary? Could you imagine her heart that she's busting inside? That she is, she has, she has delight and she has pain. She knows that he is amazing. She knows that He's going to change the world, but she also knows that He will die for the sins of His people. She knows that they will crucify Him. She knows that they will persecute Him. She knows that in her mother's heart. This day of this wedding came. And in those days, they would save the best wine until last. And they would serve the best wine. I'll just let you know the best wine for those of you who would like to know this, is actually called kosher wine. And it's actually one part wine to 20 parts water. For all of you to say, well, Jesus drank. <clears throat> Couldn't get very drunk on that, hey. But that was the kosher wine. That was the best wine that they could serve, the kosher wine, the Jewish wine. And so they'd run out of wine. And Mary starts hassling like every woman does. Every mother does. Come on. You know you can fix this. You know you got the power. And he says, be quiet, woman. It's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. There is a time, but it's not yet. And she looks at him with those big mummy eyes and goes, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Hey? Oh, I know the way those girls look at my husband when they want something. Gemma's the worst. Daddy, please, can I have a dog? Yeah. Anyway, that's another story. Got the dog. She says, Jesus, please. And he says, oh, well, see those barrels over there? Fill them with water and bring them here. And, and then he said, serve it. And when they served those barrels of water, it was the most kosher wine of the whole night. And the, the, the hosts of the wedding were saying, they've, they've kept the best wine to last. Jesus had turned water into wine. He was now revealed. His mother had unwrapped the package early. And so Jesus begins to walk amongst the street to see the suffering of the people. You know, the Word of God says that God says, Behold, I see the suffering of my people. I hear their cries and I long to send a deliverer to them. Can you imagine the heart of God in heaven right now? What it feels like for Him to see the atrocities in the earth right now, to see children being hurt, to see men and women being killed, to see these 
suicide bombers thinking that they're doing the right thing, blowing themselves up in the name of religion. Can you imagine the heart of God just going, that's not it. That's not, you don't, still don't get me. You don't get me. You don't get me. That's why I sent my son so you could get me. And so Jesus goes down to the Jordan River where they're baptizing people and he sees John the Baptist who's baptizing people. And John the Baptist sees him coming and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He recognizes him straight away. And Jesus walks into the water and says, Baptize me, John. And he says, How can I baptize you? You are God in flesh. You are the Messiah. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. I should be bowing down, worshipping you. Jesus said, it needs to be done. Baptize me, John. John baptizes him in water. The whole of heaven opens. The Word of God says, a thundering voice comes from heaven. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. This is a representation of who I am. Listen to Him. Look at Him. Listen to Him. Look at Him. I'm sending my heart to earth. I'm sending my heart to be broken for you. I'm sending my heart to be abused for you. Listen to Him. And immediately Jesus was sent into the wilderness after the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove in power. And he was sent into the wilderness. He was tempted by the enemy for 40 days and for 40 nights. He ate nothing. And the enemy came and tempted him and tempted him and tempted him, but he stood strong. And he came out of that desert ready, unpacked, unveiled, tested and tried and true. The sinless Lamb of God who had come to take away the sins of the world, came to reveal the heart of God to mankind. And he walked amongst the people. He walked amongst the people. He didn't go into the synagogues. He didn't go into the religious places. He walked amongst the people who had been left outside the synagogues. He walked amongst the people who had been rejected by the religious leaders of that day. He went to the lepers who were not allowed to mix with anyone because of their leprosy, who were outside the city gates. Jesus went outside the city gates and He healed the lepers. Wherever the need was, He was there because He'd come to reveal the heart of God to mankind. And it wasn't a God who was angry. It wasn't a God who was judgmental. It wasn't a God who had religious expectations on people that they should jump through so many hoops before they were accepted by Him. It was a God who went and sat on the beach, caught some fish and cooked it and fed His disciples. 
It was a God who saw 5,000 people, 5,000 men, 10,000 men, women and children who had come to hear Him speak. And He wasn't thinking about, well, finally I've got the crowd. I've got the 10,000. I've made it in ministry now. He wasn't thinking about Himself. He looked around and He said, All these people are here. They've got nothing to eat. He thought about the needs of the people. He was thinking about the children that were hungry. He was thinking about the nursing mothers that had no food to sustain their milk for their babies. Jesus thought about people all day and all night, every second of every day. And He says to His disciples, what have we got to feed them? Come on. Rummage around, see what we got to feed them. See, there was no Kentucky Fried Chicken down the street. And there was no McDonald's that they could just drive into. They're out there in the wilderness, in the desert. And a little boy comes forward. He has two loaves and five, five loaves and two fishes. Five loaves of bread, two fishes. 10,000 people. And Jesus said, that's all I need. If you just give me the little bit that you have, I can multiply it. I can feed these people. Sometimes we look at the atrocities in the world. We look at the mess that's in the world. I'm sure Jamie and Garth right now, with their feet in the soil of Africa, are looking around them just going, Oh God, there is so much. Where do we even start? Where do we even start to solve the poverty in Africa? Where do we even start to solve the disease that's killing children every second of every day? Where do we even start to feed them, to clothe them, to love them, to save them? Where do we even start? And Jesus says, have you got five loaves, two fishes? Have you got five loaves, two fishes? Just give me what you have. Just give me what you have. Just give me the little bit of love that you've got and I'll love on them for you. And so he fed that day 10,000 people and there was 10 baskets left over. Supernatural food from heaven. Look at this list I have here. This is just a list of what Jesus did just while he was walking around, just while he was walking around changed the water into wine, cured the nobleman's son, brought in a great hall of fishes, cast out unclean spirits, cured Peter's mother-in-law of fever, healed a leper, healed the centurion's servant, raised the widow's son from the dead. Can you imagine for one moment, you who are mothers in this place or you that have any compassion at all, could you imagine a mother, her son is dead? And when they had funerals, it was their custom to lay the body on on the top of a cart and they would take it through the streets mourning. There's this little boy's lifeless body on top of this cart and his widow, his widowed mother, his widowed mother, she has no support, she has no husband, she's a widow and she's just walking along weeping for her son. They're all, because they would mourn and they would mourn for days over the dead. And Jesus just happened to be walking by, just walking by. 
And the heart of the Father feels the heart of a widow. The heart of the Father feels the heart of the widow. And Jesus demonstrates to us what it is to stand in the gap and just say, I don't know how to fix this, but at least I can try. And Jesus walks up and he says, little boy, get up. And the dead little boy sits up and he gives the little boy into his mother's arms. That's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of God. Not a God that takes children away, but a God who gives children back. Hallelujah. Let's go on. Jesus stills the storm. How many storms do you have in your life that you need some stilling? Jesus cured two demoniacs. Jesus cured the paralytic, the paralytic, the paralytic. Jesus raised the ruler's daughter from the dead. There's another one. This ruler comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Can you please come? And when they're on the way to go there, there comes a word that says, it's too late, she's dead. And Jesus says this, the the man says to Jesus this, I know I am a man under authority. And I know when I say something, it happens. And I know Jesus, if you just say the word, I know my daughter will live. And Jesus said, go home. Your daughter is already alive. Wow. The heart of the Father, loving little girls back to life. And then He cured a woman with an issue of blood. She'd been bleeding for nine years. She'd seen every surgeon. She tried every medication. She was so weak. She was so tired. She was cast out of society because when you're bleeding as a woman in those days, you were not allowed to mix with society. And she was bleeding for nine years. So for nine years, she wasn't allowed to mix with anybody. She was lonely. She was desperate. She was sick. She was tired. And she heard Jesus was coming. And there was a great crowd around Jesus. And she knew if they saw her there, that they would probably stone her. But she didn't care. See, she had heard that there was a man that was walking around that had a heart like God. She had heard that there's a man that's walking around that actually loves people, that actually cares for people, that actually gets in people's space and in their problems and in their lives, that actually sits down in the dirt with beggars, that actually goes into wine bars and sits with drunks and tells them stories about how their life could be different. She'd heard there is a man and she wanted to be near this man more than anything else. And the Bible says she pushed through the crowd. She got down on her hands and knees and crawled through those legs, not to go to a rock concert. She crawled through those legs. She pushed through that crowd because she just had to touch him. She thought, if I could just touch him, He won't even know that I've touched him, but if I could just touch him, I know I'll be made well. I know I'll be made well if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And as she touched the hem of his garment, Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? 
And the Bible said that he felt power come out from him because of the demand that she placed on it, because she had recognised who he was. This isn't just a prophet. This isn't just another religious leader. This is God, Emmanuel. God is with us. God in the flesh. And instantly, it says, her body was completely restored. Another woman, a prostitute, a woman of the night, a woman who had sold everything that she had, who had had sold her body for money, but she had one thing left, one thing left. She had a dowry and a dowry was a bottle of perfume. An alabaster jar of perfume, that's all she had left. And you know, she knew there was no way anyone was going to marry her. She was a woman of the night. She was a prostitute, but she had hope. How many people do you know right now that have hope? That even though everything is going wrong in their world, they've got a jar of hope that they carry around just in case the master walks past them. And she hears Jesus is in the house of the religious leaders. And she pushes again through and she runs into the house and she falls at His feet and she starts to cry and wash His feet with her tears and dry His feet with her hair. And the religious leaders said, if you were a prophet, you would recognise what kind of woman this is that's touching you. And Jesus, I could just imagine Him just looking and just going, I do recognise her. I saw her when she was formed in her mother's womb. I watched her every day of her life. I saw the day that she was abused. I saw the day that she was beat. I saw the day that her life went wayward and my heart broke for the little girl inside of her. I saw the first time she sold her body and I cried tears over her. I do know what kind of woman I'm touching and this is my child. This is my daughter. And he lifted up her chin and he said, Woman, your faith has saved you. Go and sin no more. Have a brand new start. Later on in the Bible, she breaks that alabaster jar. She pours it over the feet of Jesus. She gives him everything that she is and everything that she has because somebody recognized me. Someone believed in me. Somebody looked into my eyes and knew who I was. Many years ago, now 32 years ago, I was like that woman. I was like that woman. Not that I was a woman of the night, but I was lonely. I was lost. I was broken. I was abused. And I was looking for one person in the whole world that could actually love, could actually love, not just say, I love you, but actually love and actually act out that love. And I was in a lonely hotel room in the middle of Singapore doing show business. I'd come off stage, I'd go into my hotel room. I had no friends, I was lonely. I had recording contracts. I had everything going on for me. But there I was, 
See, the cry of every human heart. Does somebody know me? Does somebody see me? Does somebody love me? And I started to cry out, alone, desperate and scared. God, is there a God? Are you real? I have no idea. I have no idea if there's even a God. But I need something in my life. And I remember there was a Gideon's Bible in the drawer and I pulled it out of the drawer and I put it next to my chest. And as I put it next to my chest, the heat started going through my body. This heat started going through my body. Waves of heat started going through my body. I thought, what the heck is that? And then I put it back on my chest. Waves of heat going through my body. What is that? And something inside of me said this. That's liquid love. This is the love that you've searched for your whole life. It's not a love that a human can give you. It's the love of the one who knows you, who sees you, and who's called you. And I went to sleep on that bed with that Bible, hugging that Bible, just going, I don't know what the heck is in this book but I never want to let it go for the rest of my life. And I went into the deepest, most peaceful sleep. And when I woke up, I felt something was standing behind me. First of all, I was afraid. And I turned around to see what was there. And the whole side of my room was lit up with the most blazing white light that it blinded me. I was blinded by the light that was in my room. And as I adjusted to the light, I saw the face of the most beautiful man I'd ever seen in my life. His hair was white like wool. His beard was white. His eyes were so blue, they were like the ocean. You could see straight through inside of him. His smile. So I'll never forget his lips were so kind so gentle, so accepting, so forgiving, so loving of me. And he smiled at me. And then he spoke to me. He didn't use words. He spoke to my spirit from his spirit. That's how we pray, you know. We speak spirit to spirit. And he said, speak my name and you will be saved. And I went to say, I don't know your name. But deep down inside of me, the Bible calls it rivers of living water. Something started to bubble up on the inside of me. This recognition, maybe it was that I remembered that He put me in my mother's womb, that He formed me with His own hands, that He knew every day of my life, that every day was written in His book. Maybe I knew it. And this name came bubbling up inside of me. So I said, Jesus. And as I said his name, I began to weep and weep. And the whole of my life went. And I saw every moment that I was abused, he was in the room. When I was being hurt, he was protecting me. When I was, when I was in the, the most scariest situations, he was there with armour on. As a little child, he's wrapping me up. 
saving me from my abuser. He was there every second of every day and I never knew it. He was always there. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's always there. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And He looked at me and He said, when you walk through the waters, I will be there and through the flames. You will not be drowned. You will not be burned. For I am with you. And then He looked deep into my eyes and these blue eyes penetrated the very depths of my being, the very fibre of my being. He looked inside. He found me. He found me. He wasn't judging me. He wasn't accusing me. He wasn't looking for my faults. He was looking for Julie. He come to find his child. And he looked right into my soul. And he said, follow me. Follow me. And he was gone. For 32 years, I followed him. I'll follow Him until the day I stand before Him in heaven when I see Him again face to face, when I look again into those beautiful blue eyes, when I can wrap my arms around Him and tell Him, thank you. Thank you that you came and you rescued me. Thank you that you came all the way to Singapore. Thank you that you came to a lonely, desperate girl and you came and you found me. That same Jesus is in this room right now. The one who loves you. The one who died for you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.